Welcome to the Northeast Christian Podcast. We're so excited that you've decided to check out our weekly messages. We hope that you're challenged and inspired by what you're hearing today. We'd love to have you join us this weekend at one of our campuses or online at northeast.live. For more information on Northeast, visit us at necchurch.org. If you love the Northeast podcast, subscribe to our channel and leave us a comment or a rating in the Apple Podcast Store. As I shared earlier, this morning is our Lent uh, prayer and worship service. For reference, uh, Lent is the season of preparation for Easter. This is a 40-day period in the Christian liturgical calendar. It's a time in which followers of Jesus all around the world commit to a deeper and more intentional and committed walk of holiness, sanctification, and sacrifice with Jesus in mind. That sounds like a weird thing to say, right? Because that should be the reality of our lives every day. But, but I think there's something special about committing a season of time in our lives to examine more closely what the calls to deep in our lives look like right now with Jesus. In the Christian community, there are a number of ways that people celebrate and acknowledge Lent. For some of you in this room, maybe Wednesday, you went somewhere and you got ashes for Ash Wednesday. Some in the room have committed to fasting, maybe from a type of food or maybe from social media. Others have committed to reading through the four Gospels over the next 40 days, among other practices and traditions. As I say that, though, I imagine that there are probably three groups of people in the room this morning. The first group uh, would be a group of people uh, where Lent just has been a part of your faith journey since you can remember. Maybe in your faith background, Lent is a sacred tradition. For some others, Lent may be a brand new idea, or or maybe it's something that you've heard about, maybe you knew vaguely about, but it's never really been a part of your spiritual practice. And lastly, there are some in the room where Lent to you is just something that's on your shirt, that you get a roller, (laughs) and you roll to stay fresh, you know? Regardless of what it means for your life, for everybody in the room, Lent and this prayer and worship service offers all of us the same thing, opportunity. What might it mean for us as individuals, but also as a congregation and as a community to look deeply into the reality of our souls and be reminded why Good Friday and Easter had to happen? Make no mistake about it, Easter is a season of celebration, but it is also a season of reckoning. It's a time where we come face to face with the reality that Jesus had to die because humanity didn't have the capacity to die to ourselves. One had to die so that many could have life. Even in that truth today, We have the privilege to live on the other side of the resurrection. So in that privilege, 
is a safety to no longer run from God because of our brokenness, but instead run towards God with our brokenness as he invites us to experience the fullness of his grace. To start our service, I read for us Psalm 51. The psalm is David's prayer of repentance after being confronted with the reality of his sin by the prophet Nathan. If you're familiar with this story and this point in David's life, it's the story where David stole another man's wife and then had that man put on the front line of battle and killed. And then a brave prophet who feared God only went to the most powerful man in the world and called him on his sin. In the Bible, David is described after a man after God's own heart, and I think the psalm teaches us why. What we learn on the surface is that being someone after God's own heart is not a synonym for perfection. But it's a phrase that better describes someone who acknowledges their sin and their need for God. It, it, it describes someone who, who walks in dependency on God and confidently in the character of God. It describes someone who, who clings to God's promises and his purposes for their life. It's someone who fears God and is willing to repent. In verses 10 through 12 of our passage, David said these words. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Mm. To pray a prayer like that is to pray a prayer of honesty. It's a prayer of honesty at the condition of yourself, but also the power and the right of God. In that prayer, we find a humbled David with a clear mind and conscious understanding that even the joy we find in salvation is a gift from God. Even the presence of the Holy Spirit is something that God so willingly gives us. And it is at his disposal to decide when and how and where he would take that away. So we find a man looking eye to eye with his sin. We find honesty. And so today, my prayer for our service, for the rest of the time that we're going to worship, that we're going to pray, that we're going to be together, that the bedrock of our time would be individual honesty in the room so that we can have a collective honesty together. If I can give you three truths to help us center our hearts in honesty for the remainder of our time, here, here are three truths we learn from David. 
Number one, we are broken. <laughs> we are broken. If you woke up this morning and you thought you had your stuff together and that your stuff didn't stink, I'm just here to tell you that the mirror lied to you. If you're in this room today, you're broken. And you're broken beyond your own repair. Your brokenness has eclipsed the ability of your willpower and your self-determination. Your brokenness is written into your DNA. So as we enter into this prayer and worship together, what levels the playing field from the preacher to the person on the very last row is the truth that we all are broken beyond repair apart from God. So that means all of us have an invitation and an opportunity today to walk towards God. The second truth is that none have arrived. I know some of us like to think we got it together. I know some of us like to look at our neighbor and see their sin and say, at least my sin don't look like that. But can I tell you, if you have sin, you have not arrived. This is a perfect time to have a Lent prayer and worship service as we've been going through the doctrines of salvation. Because I just want to tell you, you have not been sanctified completely. You have not yet been justified. You have not yet been glorified. You're in a holding pattern. You have the promise. And then you're waiting to receive that promise. So in between time is an opportunity for you to know what it might mean to know God more deeply on this side of heaven. So if you're in this room, today is an invitation for you to ask the question, God, where are you calling me deeper? Where are you knocking at my door? Where do I have my ears plugged? And my heart hardened, where are you calling me to a broken spirit and a contrite heart? The third thing is, according to David, we all need salvation. <laughs> For many in this room, you have heard the good news. And in a response to that good news, maybe you walked forward, maybe you prayed a prayer. Hopefully you were baptized in water similar to as we just saw. And what you received was a mark and a promise that salvation is yours. But the Bible teaches about salvation in a, in a pretty peculiar way. The Bible teaches about salvation in this way. It says that you are saved, says that you are being saved, and that you will be saved. I'll say it again. <laughs> Says that you are saved, that you are being saved, and that you will be saved. So even in that teaching is this continued opportunity to wake up every day and when your feet hit the ground, if you know Jesus, to experience the joy of salvation. But here's the other side of that coin. If you're in this room and you have not received Jesus, 
the joy of that salvation can be yours today. Every week here at Northeast, we do this awesome thing of taking communion. Communion is this promise in our hands. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ in elements. It's the good news that we can taste and see. Every week we hold bread and we hold juice in our hands and, and, and we are reminded of the simple truth that our lives are not our own, but instead we have been bought with a price. And despite the condition of our souls on that day, the eternal condition of our soul says, Jesus has done it, is doing it, and will do it. And so today, that's the posture I want us to move into communion. If you can go ahead and get your elements out. As I shared earlier, the message today is going to be shorter. I invite you to get your elements. On the night of Jesus' betrayal, he, he sat around a table with some of his best friends and closest confidants and his disciples. And they were having a familiar meal and Jesus took that familiar meal and gave it a deeper purpose and a deeper meaning in the life of the believer. I don't know how coached up you are on your church history, but as far as back as you can go into church history, a lot of things have changed, but one thing that never changed was that the believers fought tooth and nail to get together to have this meal. In some seasons of the faith, to get together to have communion was a life and death situation. Communion has sustained the church for thousands of years, and today it will sustain us. Because in it, we receive the truth of the gospel. So if you can, go ahead and grab that bread. This bread, Jesus said, is his body laid down for sinners like you and me so that we can walk in the identity of saints. So can I say this to you? You're not just a sinner saved by grace. You're not just a nobody trying to tell somebody about somebody who can change anybody. The Bible declares that you are a saint. The Bible declares that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And from that identity, I charge you to look at the condition of your heart and your soul and invite the Holy Spirit to show you where God is calling you more faithfully into those identities. Let us eat together. In your other hand, you're holding a cup. This is a cup of grace. Jesus says this is his blood of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. This new covenant is a covenant where God does all the work. 
If you open your Bibles and you just read through John 6, you'll get to a verse where people have a lot of questions for Jesus. They're really confused about how to enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus has a lot. He says, listen, the only work I have for you is to believe in the one the Father has sent. You want to know how to be saved? Believe in Jesus. This cup is his blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin. Receive your cup of grace this morning. And for the remainder of our service, we just want to invite you to worship with us in three specific ways. The first way is we want you to sing. <laughs> sing. I need altos, sopranos, no pranos, because some of y'all can't sing. But sing. Let's join in and make a joyful noise together. Number two, we're going to invite you to pray today. And I know prayer can feel like this thing that we're all still trying to figure out sometimes and, and trying to wrestle with, but, but it is effectual. God hears our prayers. He receives our prayers. In fact, Jesus is interceding right now. He's praying on your behalf right now. So we're going to join him in those prayers. And so we're going to have opportunities for you to just to come to the rugs and pray like we do every week. But we've also added a couple people to the side of the stage just to pray with you. If you're carrying something and you just want to invite uh, leaders in the church or brother and sister in the faith just to come pray and touch and agree with you, we want to be to the side of the stage to pray with you. We're going to have some prayer elements later in service where we're, we're led together in prayer. And then the last opportunity that we have for you is to receive ashes. So if you came in, you probably saw the tables with the candlelights. Those are our ash tables. There will be people there. They will apply ashes either to your hand or to your forehead and just give you a simple, yet hard and challenging charge. Now take up your cross and follow after Jesus. For reference, ashes our biblical symbol of sorrow and repentance for our sins. It's an acknowledgement that we need God. For those that are interested, the ashes are made of palm branches used in Palm Sunday celebrations from around the world. Those celebrations symbolize the eternal peace and the salvation only found in Jesus. Matthew 5, 3 says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Receiving ashes today is all about being poor in spirit. With that said, can I get everybody in the room to stand on your feet? And as we move into a time of prayer and worship and receiving ashes, we're going to have a congregational reading adapted from Psalm 51. So if you can, I invite you to hold your hands in a posture to receive. And we're just going to read this together. Let's read. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Move us closer to you in your will and in your way. Amen. Let's worship. Let's worship.